The school board did adopt the policy last night and Superintendent Tony Thurman tried to speak for longer than the time allowed and he was quickly shut down. This is just the latest in the clash between the state and local school districts. Sorry, Pat, go ahead. The first speaker is Tony Thurmond. Good evening, Madam President, members of the board, parents, teachers, and students. I stand before you as a proud American, as a man of faith, the son of a veteran who served in Vietnam, who's buried not far from here. I love this country. And in addition to being the state superintendent, I am also a parent. And I come before you as a parent tonight. And we can debate all of the laws and all of the policies and practices. I ask you to consider this, that nearly half of students who identify as being LGBTQ plus are considering suicide. I ask you to consider this, that the policy that you consider tonight not only may fall outside of the laws that respect privacy and safety for our students, but may put our students at risk because they may not be in homes where they can be safe. Time. 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 And I learned something from a previous board president. I am going to do a point of order, which I learned from a previous board president. Tony Thurman, I appreciate you being here tremendously. But here's the problem. We're here because of people like you. You're in Sacramento proposing things that pervert children. You had a chance to come and talk to me, Tony. By all means, you had a chance to come talk to me. Why was it so important for you to walk with my opponent? You are the very reason why we're in this. May, may I have, as a point of order, as the board of order, this is not your meeting. You may have a seat because if I did that to you in Sacramento, you would not accept it. Please sit. I get a point of order? You're not going to blackmail us. You already sent us a blackmailing letter on previous point of you order. Not, you'll not bully us here in Chino. Please see. Point of order. In Chino. Point We're going to take order. a five minute break. security guards walk up to Thurman, then two more surround him, and he's escorted off. Mr. Thurman was granted more respect and decorum than I ever have been by the supermajority Democrats in Sacramento. Republican Assemblymember Bill Saley spoke right after. He introduced a bill to do what the school district did on a statewide level. They would not even hear my bill because they said it was too hateful without even having a conversation. Dozens of speakers later, the board passed the policy four to one. Tell Sacramento to back down and then I'll back down. Just last week, Newsom and Thurman intervened in a different local school district because that school district decided to ban supplemental material because it named a gay rights activist. The state said they were going ahead anyway, purchasing that material to provide to the students. You are the very reason why we're in this.
You and I have the courage to tell our elected officials that we want our national policy based on what we know in our hearts is morally right. What the hell is going on in California? What the hell you say? <laughs> California parents and Chino Valley school board members standing together, unified against the Democrat left and the entrenched state officials, such as the superintendent of the state, uh, passing policies to protect their kids. Folks, this is the People's Republic of California that I've been waiting to hear from. And the fact that we're seeing this in California kind of tells me that perhaps, perhaps the left is losing its grip in that state on this most important of issues. One can only hope so, right? Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to yet another awe-inspiring episode of Epic Proportions. I'm your less than humble host, Wild Bill of the Wild Bill fame. Here to render my righteous rhetoric for your reception all the way from the Carolina Command Center, right here, down on the ground in the good old USA. This is the Last Stand Podcast. So buckle up and hold on to your butts, folks, because the views and opinions and unmitigated facts that I present to you have been found in the state of California and across the country, I might add, to cause leftists to lose their minds. <laughs> Let's get into it. So ever since I realized that California was listening into the show, uh, I started to dig into some of the local issues in that state, right? Uh, and you don't ever hear about parents and people in California opposing their government's policies and laws that are enacted in that state. But we saw what happened in Glendale, California, right? When parents were taking the local school board to task uh, and then were promptly attacked by Antifa. Now, when you're attacked by Antifa, folks, uh, that means something's going down. Something's happening. Certain people are panicking, okay? And that means that the parents are actually making headway. And it gave me a little hope, okay? But after hearing about Chino Valley, I'm beginning to see a glimmer of hope for the state, okay? Uh, has anybody seen the, 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 this story, this Chino Valley story on the news? I haven't seen it. And I watch the news like I drink Cafe Dumont chicory blend coffee, folks. <laughs> Continuously and in huge amounts, right? Punch yourself in the face. I got to tell you, folks, when I heard Sonia Shaw, the school board president, defiantly proclaim that the superintendent and the government in Sacramento uh, would not bully the people of Chino Valley, I got choked up, man. Uh... I really got choked up. The feeling of pride that I felt uh, welled up inside me, and I could barely contain myself. I was so proud of, of, of Shaw and the people of Chino Valley. I actually came out of my chair and cheered when I saw this video. When Sacramento backs down, I'll back down. Are you kidding me? Ladies and gentlemen, that's, that's about as, a, as defiant as it gets, isn't it? And it's a promise you know, to the people that before the state forces their perverted policies onto the parents uh, and, and the people of Chino Valley, this school board, this Sonia Shaw will be standing in their way. 
Holy shit, I'm proud of Sonia Shaw. She might as well have said, don't tread on me. She might as well have waved the don't tread on me flag. It, it was amazing. So, so what's the story behind this confrontation that seems to be brewing between Chino Valley and the state of California? The headlines that read for this story, uh, California's state superintendent of schools was thrown out of a contentious hearing over parents' rights to information about their transgender children. Tony Thurman was told that he was proposing things that pervert children as he argued against a policy to inform parents if their child wants to change genders. The policy comes amid a series of detransition lawsuits where formerly transgender children feel that they were pushed into these invasive surgeries to transition. In an article by Will Potter for the DailyMail.com on the 21st of July... Uh, updated on the 24th. Uh, the article reads, parents reacted with cheers of leave our kids alone as California superintendent was thrown out of a school board hearing for aggressively opposing a policy forcing teachers to notify parents if their child is transgender. Tony Thurman of the California State Superintendent of Schools was booted from the Chino Valley Unified School Board meeting on Thursday after going over his allotted time to vigorously attack the policy. Over 300 people filled the main hall at Don Lugo High School in Chino, California, to weigh in at the hearing, which was marked with hostility as Thurman clashed with the school board's president, Sonia Shaw. After Thurman condemned the new guidelines for putting transgender students at risk, Shaw fired back that the official was proposing things that preferred children. The board eventually voted 4-1 to to introduce the parental notification policy, a move which was met with cheers from the audience. Before Thurman was led away by security to shouts of kick him out, the administrators slammed the proposal for targeting vulnerable students. The policy, which was introduced in June, requires schools to notify parents within three days after their child identifies as a transgender Teachers must also inform parents if their child is involved in any form of violence of, and talks about suicide, okay? Well, I mean, that's a thing that's already in place. If, you're, if your kid's talking about suicide in school, that's definitely something that they're going to, you know, notify parents about. But, but the reason that, they, that, that many school boards across the country uh, are starting to enact these policies to notify parents uh, about their child identifying as a different gender is because uh, for, for, for a long time now, teachers, school counselors, principals, entire schools, school systems have endeavored to hide this from parents. I mean, you can, you can see the libs of TikTok videos uh, and other videos uh, that, that where teachers are, are talking about we're not going to tell your parents about, you know, your, your idea of what gender you are, okay? We're not going to let your parents know that you want to transition to a different gender. Basically, uh, this is in response to school systems and school officials hiding things from parents, essentially taking away the parents' right to know what's going on in their kids' lives, and, and, and to raise their kids. Students identifying as transgender are defined under the policy as seeking to change their name or pronouns 
or asks to access gender-based sports, bathrooms, or changing rooms, which are different from their biological gender. The superintendent said, the policy you consider tonight may not only fall outside of privacy laws, but it may put our students at risk, a typical leftist talking point. After reaching the end of his time, Thurman was heard in footage from the hearing interrupting Shaw as she ordered him to return to his seat. She then proceeded to slam the superintendent for his role in escalating issues over transgender students, saying, Tony Thurmond, I appreciate you being here tremendously, but here's the problem. We're here because of people like you. In Sacramento, you're proposing things that hurt children, she continued. The California state legislature, which has approved several controversial laws over transgender youths, is located in the city. Chino Valley Unified School District President Sonia Shaw slammed the superintendent for proposing things that pervert children. I mean, it was amazing, folks. I'm watching this video, and I'm, I'm just like, I'm coming out of my chair. And as you heard in the intro, uh, they went back and forth, and Sonia Shaw wasn't having any of it. All right? The superintendent tried to uh, pull a point of order, all right, as if he were running the meeting, uh, and Shaw wasn't having it. Okay? This ain't your meeting. Have a seat. Now, the chasm between many Americans over the issue of transgender minors was on full display in that California school hall as a large section of the audience behind the dueling officials yelled, leave our kids alone, while others held signs calling for Shaw to be recalled. Yeah, it's, it's a very contentious issue, but parents are starting to stand up for their kids. You know, I, I love how the left hides behind legalities, okay, when it's convenient. Quite frankly, their stances on transgenderism and kids uh, and, and pushing these ideologies into these schools, uh, basically uh, superseding the parents' uh, right to raise their kids, to know what's going on in their kids' lives, that's, that's coming to an end in a lot of places. And Chino Valley in California... It's just the latest uh, county, the, the latest uh, town, uh, to, to bring this to the forefront. And it's the start, I think, I hope, of a rebellion in California against leftist Democrat policies that are ruining the state and ruining our kids. So, that's all I got to say about that. So uh, let's see here. Uh, what are we talking about uh, today? We're going to be talking about a few things here, folks. Um, you know, you know, thinking about this, this, you know, this whole thing at this school board uh, meeting here that that went crazy and off the rails. Uh, you know, I think about it, and it still amazes me just how far the left will go to perpetuate a lie. Okay, when you listen to Tony Thurman's statement about how kids are going to commit suicide if we don't affirm the lie of transgenderism, uh, you know, and, and if you listen to my podcast, Standing Between the Drag Queen and Your Kids, you'll know that he's lying about that. Okay, like I said before, we are in every medium on social media, television, films, uh, in public, and even in the government, we, we are creating and perpetuating the intellectual, emotional, and mental instability in our kids 
by affirming this transgender lie. Uh, and, and we're doing that instead of caring for them by affirming the reality of their life and their gender and, and teaching them to accept themselves for who and what they are. But when you, when you listen to this horse shit, okay, uh, that Tony Thurman was pushing out there, I can't help but think of all the other lies that the left continues to perpetuate on other issues. You know, what was it here uh, in the news here a couple of days ago with Kamala Harris, the vice president, okay, the supreme idiot, rivaled only by, uh, <clears throat> well, <laughs> You might come up with a name that rivals her in stupidity, but I, I can't think of one right now. Uh, is there anyone dumber than Kamala Harris? Okay. Uh, <laughs> I can't think of anybody. I'm, I'm asking for real, for a friend. Uh, once again, Kamala Harris demonstrates that when it comes to dumb, she holds the gold, folks. You know, uh, and, and just a, a few days ago, just, just not that, not that long ago, she moved not only into the dumb, but also into the lie, and and the lie of 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 history in this country and slavery in this country, in what was really a clumsy uh, attempt to take a shot at Florida and Governor DeSantis. This this gets really stupid, folks. Extremists here in Florida. Pass a law, don't say gay trying to instill fear in our teachers that they should not live their full life and love who they love. And now, on top of all of that, they want to replace history with lies. Middle school students in Florida to be told that enslaved people benefited from slavery. <laughs> High schoolers may be taught that victims of violence, of massacres, were also perpetrators. I said it yesterday. They insult us in an attempt to gaslight us. And we will not have it. And we will not have it. So now you got to ask yourself, uh, did she read the curriculum? Probably not, because she's a dunce, okay? Uh, because she's saying exactly what her handlers want her to say, okay? And as you can imagine, the lion-ass left lost their minds, okay? And fell all over themselves to pick up what Harris was putting down. Fox News' Dana Perino and The Five demonstrate the idiotic attempt by the left to paint the Republican Party, and you, I might add, Okay, as racist. Okay, what they're trying to insinuate is that uh, Southern schools want to uh, make the school curriculum uh, and and present it in a way that will continue to make racists out of white kids. Okay, it's, it's, it's a blimp sized lie, folks. Okay, and like I said, Dana Perino and the Five demonstrate this this clumsy attempt by Kamala Harris and the left uh, to paint the Republican Party and you as racist, okay? And, and you know, you'll notice that, that the left in, in various news shows 
uh, just fell all over themselves to pick up what Harris was putting down. Kamala Harris accused of lying about Florida's new black history curriculum. The vice president traveling to Jacksonville and blasting the state's new Board of Education standards on teaching slavery. They want to replace history with lies. Middle school students in Florida to be told that enslaved people benefited from slavery. They insult us in an attempt to gaslight us, and we will not have it. Instead, they dare to push propaganda to our children. This is the United States of America. We're not supposed to do that. And you know, uh, ironically, she's right. The government isn't supposed to push propaganda, all right? We, We don't push propaganda. But yet, this government, this administration, does it every goddamn day. Every day. The people know that the government isn't supposed to push propaganda. And, and they recognize that propaganda is being pushed every damn day. I mean, <laughs> I, is this woman aware of what she's saying when she says it? Or is she just reading the teleprompter? I mean, do I do I have to go through the list of all of the propaganda that has been pushed by this administration since day one? No, I don't think I got to go through it. I think you people know exactly what I'm talking about. Jesus, this woman is dumb. God, she's dumb. I mean, (laughs) the hypocrisy, right? But uh, moving right along, continuing with this, with this, uh, with the five. The media piling on over the vice president's concerns. Free housing, permanent employment, and all-you-can-eat cornbread. Board of Education of Florida wants you to see that job description and think, you know, maybe slavery wasn't so bad. But this is the game that they have been playing, trying to both sides, racism and white supremacy. I have to laugh. It's so disgusting that there were personal benefits of any kind uh, to slave. And just because black people write it don't mean that it, it doesn't mean it's going to be accurate. Shame on you people in Florida. How dare you try to whitewash slavery? He felt, and a lot of people around this country are starting to feel, that we can't teach the correct history of this country because it makes white kids uncomfortable. So you get the idea. But National Review says Kamala Harris is brazenly lying about the curriculum. Harris is singling out only one bullet in the program that says this. Slaves develop skills which, in some instances, could be applied for their personal benefit. National Review points out that there are 190 other passages Harris is not mentioning that teach about the evils and horrors of slavery. And two African-American scholars who actually created the new curriculum, they are defending it claiming it's being taken out of context, with one calling Kamala Harris's claims, quote, categorically false. He says the vice president is misinterpreting what the controversial passage means. It is the case that Africans proved resourceful, resilient, and adaptive, and were able to develop skills and aptitudes which served to their benefit, both while enslaved and after enslavement. This is hot on the campaign trail. Ron DeSantis was asked about this in Utah. Here's what he said. Absolutely ridiculous. It's totally outrageous. You guys can look on the website of the Florida Department of Education. You know, they got a lot of scholars together to do uh, a lot of standards and a lot of different things. But these are the most robust standards in African-American history, probably anywhere in the country. She's going to come down uh, to the state of Florida um, and try to chirp and try try to demagogue. 
It got political real fast over the weekend, Greg. Charles Cook's piece in National Review runs several pages because he lists all 190 of the other passages that Kamala Harris didn't mention. It's weird. It's like the media wants you to believe the Osmond brothers came up with a curriculum that it was all evil white people. It's actually that's why they keep saying Floridians, because then you don't know what race it was. Again, though, I have to sound like a broken record. This is not a real story. At all. This was completely made up. It was snippet journalism. Once again, she took one piece out of a huge thing and turned it into some kind of screed against racism and all this other stuff. It's not real. She sounded drunk, but I often sound drunk at times. You know what I hate (laughs) most about this? That we all have to do the work that Kamala was supposed to do. Mm -hmm. So she comes out there. She lies. She did no preparation. What happens? Every fool like me this weekend has to, like, read the curriculum. I'm exhausted. I wanted to play. I wanted to hang out with my dog. But it does gross you out. I think I get grossed out when I see this because I imagine how much a better country we'd be if people didn't go on this this crazy, fake, we're a a divided country BS. I think we need, like, a colorblind summer. You Mm -hmm. know, how much better everyone would feel if blacks didn't feel oppressed because the media told them to and that their their uh, co-workers and their classmates weren't seen as oppressors because they happened to be white, that would be really nice. This was not the administration we were promised. Right. We were supposed to have by old Joe. Everybody was supposed to get along. Everybody. Now, all it is is stuff like this to create division. Right. We now have to be we have to feel guilty at all times about who our ancestors were. And we're always going to be the target, always be the target. And that's apparently keeps them out of trouble. I don't know. Um, there was also this idea that Kamala Harris, like one of the first things that she did was figure out a way to, oh, OK, this is something that I can do where I can get the Democrats perhaps interested in her. Her numbers with them are even very low. Jim Messina is a, a former Obama guy. He's a campaign guy, knows politics very well. This is the Democrat point of view on the politics. Sometimes the best gifts in politics are ones that the other side gives you. I love how quickly she decided to go down there the next day. She, her remarks, she was not scripted. She looked at the uh, at the cameras and just said what was in her heart and reminds you why he why she first came to prominence. So it's not about the substance, but about the politics. And maybe she does get a score on that one. Jesse, I don't think she's going to get a score at all. Because everybody knows she's lying. And I just have to ask the African-Americans watching right now, what's it like to be lied to by Kamala Harris? What's it like to be lied to by these buffoons on MSNBC who didn't read the curriculum or The View, have no idea what the story is, have no idea what's going on down in Florida, and they act upset. They act enraged on your behalf based on a lie. I have the African-American Ph.D., uh, we just heard from oh. Dr. Allen, who's mm-hmm. going to be on the show tonight. I mean, he says this right here. This is well documented among historians. This is historical fact that slaves did develop skills while they were enslaved and then used those skills as blacksmiths, uh, as in agriculture, uh, tailoring uh, in the shipping business to then use to benefit themselves and their families once they were freed. That's not controversial. And it actually speaks to the resilience and the aptitude of the enslaved African-Americans who were at the time able to better themselves and able to improve their situation, despite brutal, brutal conditions, horrific and abhorrent conditions. The guy says this in the statement after blasting Harris, the attempt to reduce slaves to just victims of oppression fails to recognize their strength, courage and resiliency during a difficult time 
in American history. This is probably the most rigorous African-American studies curriculum I have ever seen. I mean, this goes back pre-Atlantic slave trade. This goes to the Quakers, the abolitionists, the cotton gin, post-Reconstruction, all the way up to the present. This should be taught in every single middle school, high school in the United States. This is the best of the best created by African-American scholars in the state of Florida. And Kamala Harris is either dumb and didn't read anything about it, or she knows the truth and has decided to lie to the American people about it. I think it's disgusting. And why doesn't Kamala Harris want African-Americans and white Americans to know that black Americans did learn skills despite being enslaved? Why doesn't she want them to learn that? Jessica, do you think that she read the whole thing and just decided to cherry pick something? I, I do think that she read the whole thing. And I think that it's an incredibly complex piece. When you look at 191 passages, you have some good. And, and frankly, I'm just fundamentally uncomfortable with the sentence that blacks benefited at all from this. And, I, you know, it made me think as someone, obviously I'm not black, but I'm Jewish. Would someone say about the Holocaust, for instance, that there were some benefits for Jews, right? While they were hanging out in concentration camps, you learned a strong work ethic, right? Maybe you learned a new skill. Did you ever you read Man's Search for Meaning? Vic Frankel talks about how you had to survive in a concentration yeah. camp by having skills. You had to be useful. Utility. Utility okay. kept you but alive. But we're also talking about middle schoolers here. And there's a lot of concern about what age people are prepared to understand complex issues. I'm not sure that 12 is the right age to start hearing things like. It was at this moment that she knew she fucked up. And, and when you were enslaved here in America. What about gender? Can, can, can I do about gender, gender ideology? Just. Let me finish. Ron DeSantis knows that this is bad for him because his first response was, I didn't do it. I'm not involved in it. We do know that it's response to his 2022 act, the quote, Stop Woke Act. And we also know that the type of people who are in charge of this overhaul, maybe not Dr. Allen, who you're going to have on tonight, or someone like Kim Daniels, who's on tape saying, I thank God for slavery, because without it, I would, still, I would be in Africa worshiping a tree. She's also an anti-Semite. She threw in that Jews own everything, which is a classic trope. But the Florida Department of Education released a statement in response to Kamala Harris's uh, speech saying, you know, she's got it totally off base. It includes, I think, 16 examples of these slaves that uh, learned their skills while they were doing this. And Joshua Stein from Georgetown pointed out that it's riddled with inaccuracies. So first of all, they say James Fortin as an example. He wasn't a slave. He was a sailor in the Revolution. Then we've got a couple of your blacksmiths, by the way, who were not blacksmiths at all. Ned Cobb, um, he was a sharecropper who became the head of the Alabama Federation Sharecropper Union. An amazing example of achievement. Louis Latimer as well. He was called a blacksmith slave in the Florida Department of Education piece, but he was an inventor who ended up getting two patents and was hired by the Edison Company. Mm -hmm. It felt so, to me okay, like so it, when I ask him tonight, ask him yeah, exactly ask him about that. that. We'll find I'll out send exactly you the article. what okay. yeah, the we truth will. is. We will. I, it just felt that they were trying really hard to de-emphasize that the American experience with slavery was so bad. They talk about how much worse it was in other places. It was really bad here. It's like akin to when people say, oh, like Sally Hemings was Thomas Jefferson's girlfriend. Okay. So, so let me see. You're Do you think it's wrong to bring up that slavery is around now? You talk about the historical record. Do you think it's bad to bring up the fact that slavery exists right now? No, I, I'm not. Because that would it. actually make us look good too. Do you see my point? 
Let me ask Katie, do you think, how do you think Ron DeSantis has handled this um, controversy? Here I come. Oh, here I come. First, I would say that liberals apparently think that teaching critical race theory to kindergartners is fine, but teaching middle school and high schoolers real American history with this very thorough curriculum, they're not mentally or emotionally prepared for it. So I would argue that this is a much better curriculum than CRT. Um, I think that Jim Messina's words about it being from the vice president's heart, and that's what really matters, rather than relying on the truth and what is in the curriculum is very telling. In terms of how Ron DeSantis has handled this, I, I think that he's a little bit distracted by his campaign, and he allows and delegates people inside his government, to, and he trusts them to do exactly this, and that's why he hired a descendant of slaves, Dr. William Allen, to write this curriculum to be involved and to make sure that his voice was heard when it came to what was being taught. He is not offended by the line about skills that were obtained and then used later when slaves were freed. And he's a descendant of slaves. Kamala Harris, they've been, the Biden administration has been attacking Ron DeSantis since early 2020 because they've seen him as a threat for 2024. But now Kamala Harris needs something to do. And so she parachutes in to Florida and I doubt that she read the 216-page curriculum because she doesn't even read the briefs that her staff gives her. But she did use a single sentence about skill development, took it completely out of context, doesn't understand the bigger picture with the curriculum, and then starts pumping racial politics, politics which then Jim Messina said was he, he was proud of doing that. Mm -hmm. So that's not a unity message. Um, and so, you know, clearly they're going after Florida in their typical fashion, but it's really sad that they're doing it on a very out of context position when they have been saying for years they want African-American history and slavery taught in schools. As Jesse said, this is a comprehensive, very important curriculum, and they're tearing it down because it's not because they're using it as a political opportunity against their, their rivals. Well, looking forward to Jesse's interview tonight, 8 p.m. And did you catch the uh, the pile of shit that Jessica Tarlov almost stepped in? Well, hell, I mean, she stepped in it. OK, uh, you know, that garbage that she was throwing out there. Uh, she literally opened herself up to yet another narrative, another issue. And it was another example of the hypocrisy by the left. You know, with regard to this issue, with regard to any issue, really, uh, you know, she she states that, you know, these are 12 year olds and there's a lot of concern for what age people are prepared to understand complex issues. I'm not sure that 12 is the right age to hearing things like, and then she stops, and that's when she knew she just fucked up, okay? She stepped in a pile of crap, all right? And, and, and Waters and Gutfeld, you know, they jumped on it. Uh, and I'm kind of surprised that Jesse let her off so easy, you know? I would have hammered her, you know? Uh, Tarloff, you know, <laughs> Tarloff is more often than not full of shit, okay? Uh, the arguments that, that she brings up to counter the rest of the table, uh, I, I'm, I'm sorry, man. Um, each one of those people at that table could just literally hammer the shit out of her with everything that she says. Because most of the things, I, I'd say 98% of the things that she says is, is a, uh, a slanted view, a slanted sliver of information that actually turns out to be, you know, untrue when you, when you put it together with everything else. Okay. She's just another typical leftist folks. All right. She's, she's hypocritical. Uh, and more often than not, like I said, leftists, 
they, they don't pay attention to what they're saying. They don't, they don't keep track of what they're saying. And that's why, you, you, that's why she stepped in the pile of dog dew that she did. All right? And, and, of course, Jesse Waters was going to have Dr. William Allen on the show, uh, one of the educated individuals who actually put together this curriculum that Harris used or tried to use as a shot at the Xanis, okay? Uh, I think Tarlov would have been quite as a church mouse during Jesse's interview with Dr. Allen because he just completely flips the script on the Democrats for their false claims about Florida's new curriculum. And the good doctor immediately and quite eloquently, I might add, smashed Harris's lies to pieces. And when I say eloquently, folks, I mean, this guy is, you know, the epitome of Winston Churchill's adage, uh, tact is the ability to tell someone to go to hell in such a way that they look forward to the trip. Another day, another controversy in Florida. It's not about COVID. It's not about don't say gay. It's not about book banning. It's about slavery. Remember when the left accused Florida of not teaching slavery in schools? Now they're saying Florida is teaching slavery, but they're teaching that slaves benefited from slavery. The vice president of the United States, Kamala Harris, is the tip of the spear for this hoax. In the state of Florida, they decided middle school students will be taught that enslaved people benefited from slavery. They insult us in an attempt to gaslight us, and we will not stand for it. They want to replace history with lies. How is it that anyone could suggest that in the midst of these atrocities, that there was any benefit to being subjected to this level of dehumanization? That's what I wanted. No one's saying slaves benefited from slavery. No one's saying that slaves benefited from being torn out of their continent, stuffed into deadly slave ships, and brutalized by their masters. No one's saying that. Anyone who read the curriculum knows that. Primetime read it. It's a rich, thorough, and rigorous curriculum, which covers over 400 years of the black experience with slavery. Now, one element in this year-long course covers how, quote, slaves developed skills which, in some instances, could be applied for their personal benefit. Instruction includes trades performed by slaves, blacksmithing, carpentry, agricultural work, that through their resilience and aptitude were able to develop under horrific conditions. And then by their freedom are also used to benefit their families once they're freed. Now, there's nothing controversial about that. That's historical fact. Even CNN says Kamala's lying. Well, it's amazing to me that how little Kamala Harris apparently has to do, that she can read something on Twitter one day and be on an airplane the next to make uh, something literally out of nothing. This is a completely made-up deal. I looked at the standards. I even looked at an analysis of the standards in every instance where the word slavery or slave was used. I even read the statement of the African-American scholars that wrote the standards, not Ron DeSantis, but the scholars. Everybody involved in this says this is completely a fabricated issue. And yet, look how quickly Kamala Harris jumped on it. ABC News, which is owned by Disney and it's out to get Ron DeSantis, spoke to one of the academics who created the curriculum. He said this. It is the case that Africans proved resourceful, resilient, and adaptive and were able to develop skills and aptitudes which served to their benefit, 
both while enslaved and after enslavement. But what ABC didn't air was this. Only criticism I've encountered so far is a single one that was articulated by the vice president and which was an error. As I stated in my response to the vice president, it was categorically false. It was never said that slavery was beneficial to Africans. What was said, and anyone who reads this will see this with clarity, it is the case that Africans proved resourceful, resilient, and adaptive, and were able to develop skills and aptitudes which served to their benefit, both while enslaved and after enslavement. One of the authors of the Florida curriculum, Dr. William Allen, joins me now. So, Dr. Allen, why do you think Kamala Harris is being dishonest about what's being taught about slavery? Permit me not to give you Kamala Harris's motives. They are invisible. I don't know them. We can all have suspicions that there's a dishonest purpose afoot. But what's more important than that dishonest purpose is the truth. And this curriculum is devoted to telling the truth, whereas Kamala Harris has retailed a lie. Now, it may only have been a falsehood the first time she stated it, but when you repeat a falsehood, it becomes a lie. Tell her right now what specifically this component of the slavery course teaches. Well, permit me to have Frederick Douglass tell her. He wrote an autobiography in which he described how the mistress of his slave owner began to teach him to read. She pulled back the curtain through which a glimmer of light shone before the master forced her to close it. But that glimmer of light was enough for Frederick Douglass to illumine a bright flame that he exploited to his benefit and his country's benefit thereafter. Such examples are numerous, and they are retailed in the stories of people who suffered the indignity of slavery time and again. And quickly, permit me to say, what this curriculum is about is having people who live the experience, who live the history, tell their stories. And nothing is more important than that we never, ever erase the stories that the people who live the stories tell. No one has a right to interpret before first understanding the stories as the people who lived them understood them themselves. Are there academics that disagree with your scholarship? Well, there are certainly academics who call it into contest. Whether you would consider Heather Cox Richardson an academic or not may be questionable, but she has at great length questioned it. But her questioning is as irrelevant as Kamala Harris's falsehood, even though she correctly cites the sentence that was called into question. Why? Because what is being done here is the attempt to create stories for our time and impose them on people who told their stories in their own time, thereby erasing their stories. And that means my story, by the way. Because after all, my great-grandfather came to this country through fraudulent inducement, looking for opportunity only to find himself a slave. But he had the pluck to seek opportunity. And that pluck that he brought with him provided the skills, provided the initiative that allowed him post-slavery to establish his family securely. And this is the story of millions of people. Those stories must be told as the people who lived them experienced them. And no one should be allowed to erase those stories. Why do you think some people are uncomfortable having a conversation about the graphic and real nature 
of what slavery was like? Because they have an agenda, and they only want slavery to be told from a certain perspective. Indeed, it's a wonderful irony when you think about it, that they are accusing the workforce that developed this curriculum of embracing the positive good school of slavery. That 19th century abuse, which I have refuted in my scholarship and many other people besides, these people are saying this is what's being presented in Florida. It is an absolute falsehood. If anybody is presenting the positive good school of slavery, it's the heirs of people like Calhoun and Taney and Woodrow Wilson who continue to propagate the false picture that the birth of the nation was nothing but slavery. I can point out quickly enough that Frederick Douglass and Ida B. Wells in 1893 demonstrated in protesting the exclusion of blacks from the World Fair of 1893 amidst thousands of lynchings that the accomplishments of black people post-slavery were the accomplishments not just of black Americans, but the accomplishments of American principles. And that is the truth that people seek to deny by erasing the stories of the people who lived through the histories. Well, Dr. Allen, thank you for seeking the truth. I wish more people could have this honest conversation about our history. It'd bring a lot of Americans together. Thank you. You're most welcome. If that doesn't spell it out, folks, and I don't know what will. You know, Kamala Harris says that the government uh, isn't supposed to push propaganda. And yet, this is what they do on a daily basis. I mean, damn folks. Do, do they think that we forgot 2019, 2020, 2021, 2022? Did they, they think we've forgotten all of that? And the propaganda continues on a daily basis. And if anyone who listened to Harris's horseshit at that gathering took, you know, if they took 15 minutes to actually read the curriculum and digest it and understand it, they would have known that Harris was lying. Okay. As Jesse Waters said, she's either dumb or she's lying. Okay. And you can say that about 98% of the Democrat party these days, you know, especially this administration, they're either dumb or they're lying. And if they were just being, you know, simply dumb, all right, if they were being dumb, they would retract 100% of the lies they tell after being shown the truth. But they don't. So it's not dumb. They're lying. They're lying to the American people. They're lying to you, folks. This, you know, they do this with history, science, gender, foreign policy, economic conditions in this country. They literally lie about everything. Okay, and they count on the emotional aspects of the lie to stir the emotions of people who don't take the time nor have the inclination to take the time to discover the truth. And of course, there's those who are complicit in the lie, supporting the lie, knowing that it's a lie because they support the objective, which is to fundamentally transform America into something that it isn't meant to be and to control and manipulate the American people into subjugation and division and ultimately servitude to a one-party ruling class you know the left's all about you know we know better than you you're too simple to discern the truth so we must give it to you and the truth is what we say it is at any given moment where it serves our purpose you know the thing is they don't realize that the people see through their bullshit as jason aldean pointed out in his latest concert so, this seems a good place as any to take a break. 
Uh, I'm going to pop open a beer that doesn't acquiesce to the LBGT trans queer movement uh, and objectives, okay, like Bud Light, which is continuing to spiral into the, you know, into oblivion, all right? You know, that you, you, you'd have thought that, that that issue would have gone away. Uh, it hasn't gone away, folks, and it continues, right? The rebellion continues. Damn, I'm proud of this country. Uh, so let's see. Uh, I had to get two teeth pulled the other day. My face is hurting a little bit, so I'm going to go pop open a beer. Uh, I swear it feels like they were using road construction tools on my teeth, you know. So, so talking here has been a little painful in this episode. Uh, but that is the level of dedication to the show that I put forth each and every episode, folks. In the next segment, uh, I'm going to get into a few other stories of the day. Uh, I might get into the latest indictment of Donald Trump. In fact, I think we should talk about that a little bit. Uh, And the increasing evidence of Joe Biden's criminal enterprise being covered up by this administration and the DOJ and the two-tier justice that we have in this country. Um, You know, I think the Republicans are getting closer to impeachment, folks. But I'm going to tell you what, they better get their asses in gear. All right, because when they do, all right, when they get their ass in gear, we better start talking about real criminal charges being brought to the Biden family, Hunter Biden, and ultimately the president, Joe Biden. All right, Uh, we'll see what we can get into, folks. Like I always say, things move fast in the world, and it's hard to keep up. But that's exactly why we buckle up and hold on to our butts, folks. So don't go away or, uh, you know, go away. And then come back later, you know? That's the beauty of this show, right? Podcast excellence. I love our country. I want to see it restored to what it once was before all this bullshit started happening to us. I love my country, I love my family, and I will do anything to protect that. I can tell you that right now. (laughs) Here's what I want to say. A lot of things out there, and one thing I love, you guys know how it is this day and age, cancel culture is a thing. That's something that... If people don't like what you say, they try and make sure that they can cancel you, which means try and ruin your life, ruin everything. One thing I saw this week was a bunch of country music fans that could see through a lot of the bullshit, all right? I saw country music fans rally like I've never seen before, and it was pretty badass to watch, I gotta say. Thank you guys so much. So I had people ask me, man, everything's going on with this song. You think you're going to play it tonight? You think you're not going to play it? And I said, you know, people that come to my shows, you guys know what I'm about. You know that, you know what I stand for. I've never shied away from that at all. And I know a lot of you guys grew up like I did. You kind of had the same values, the same principles that I have, which is 
which is we want to take our kids to a movie and not worry about some asshole coming in there shooting up the theater, right? So when somebody asked me, hey man, you think you're gonna play this song tonight? This, the answer was the answer was simple. The people have spoken, and you guys spoke very, very loudly this week. are dropping their own crops for the day, a friend is in need and they've come to help. It's what this community and a lot of our communities stand for. Somebody needs some help, you'll get it. I used to work in a sheet metal factory, but then a job came along at the tannery. The hours were better and I would get paid. Also, I'd have the chance to work with leather, both before and after it was on the cow, which had always been a dream of mine. I didn't want to give up my sheet metal job, so I tried to do both jobs and finish middle school. How old were you? Eleven. The point is, I was so tired, I tried to puncture an eight-gauge aluminum foil with a leather awl.
<laughs> wow. I learned a lesson. Never half-ass two things. Whole-ass one thing. Reminds me of when my dad made me choose which of my pet calves to slaughter with my own hands for my sixth birthday. I couldn't choose, so I slaughtered both of them. And they were delicious. I will walk deeper into the belly of the beast if it means I'm able to further limit reckless government spending. I mean, I have so many ideas. Some are simple, like take down traffic lights and eliminate the post office. The bigger ones will be tougher, like bring all of this crumbling to the ground. There will be no froofy desserts. There will be no giant soap bubble guns. There will be no adult men in costumes. And most of all, there will be no vegetables. Well, Brian, can we at least have corn on the cob? No. Ah, Councilwoman. In honor of your never-ending quest to personally babysit each and every American citizen, I went to Paunchburger and got myself a number two. Double bacon grenade deluxe, hash browns, chili cheese fries, and one poached egg. Ugh, number two is right. I also picked up a 64-ounce Sweetums sugar splash. Damn it, I love this country so much. I worked a 10 hour! All I want is wings! That's a little excessive. You're not you when you're hungry. Have you any idea how successful censorship is on TV? Don't, don't know the answer? Mm. Successful, isn't it? <laughs> now, I'm no librarian. In fact, I don't know what star sign I am. But, as a famous person once said, you can fool some of the people some of the time, but you can't fool all of the people all of the time. And as I, another more famous person, once said, if you don't teach them to read, you can fool, fool, fool them whenever you like. Freedom. 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 You know, writers have no... Freedom on TV. One rude suggestion, and the censors are straight on their back. <laughs> uh, not on their back in a rude way, I meant. Welcome back to the next wildly entertaining and eye-opening segment of The Last Stand, folks. Good to have you back. You know, if you somehow know, you know. But if you don't know, Ron Swanson is my spirit animal. <laughs> <laughs> so if you haven't noticed, uh, we're into another election cycle. Yay. 
Uh, <laughs> and of course, Donald Trump, you know, he's leading in the polls uh, with everybody else at a distant second. Okay. Now, you know what I say about polls, folks. All right. You got to take them in the moment, right? Uh, poll numbers can change at any time. And, you know, of course, poll numbers vary according to the people that are being polled, uh, what they're being asked, okay, uh, where the poll's being conducted, and so on and so forth, right? But right now, Trump has a very commanding lead, okay? Uh, as of July 27th, uh, 2023, Trump is at uh, basically 52%. Uh, DeSantis uh, dropped a little. He's at 169 17%. Uh, Ramaswamy uh, is at 7.1%. Pence is at 5.5%. Haley's at 3.3%. Tim Scott is at 32 uh, Chris Christie is at 2.6%. Asa Hutchison, Burgum, and Hurd, and Suarez are all under, you know, they're at like 0.7, 0.4%. 0.2 and 0.1 respectively all right now <clears throat> so looking at a poll here by premise uh and some other various polls that uh that you don't really hear about as of july 26th 21st through the 26th when they when they conducted this poll uh if trump were to run against desantis trump would beat him out at 64 percent that's uh that's a lot that is a lot and everybody else just falls uh, to the wayside. Any way you slice it, as of July 27, 2023, t- Trump wins by landslides. Okay? Now, this has the Democrat Party panicked, folks. They're literally going apoplectic over these kinds of polls. And, and right now, no matter which poll you look at, Trump is way ahead. Okay? Now, they've been losing their minds over Trump since 2015. And the proof is in the number of cases that they brought against Trump. Okay, you'll remember Russian collusion was one of the first ones that they brought against Trump. Okay, you know, they're, they're basically they're using the full force of the compromised federal and state governments, the DOJ and the FBI to go after Trump. This is clearly election interference. This is this is their strategy. Okay, you got the uh, Mar-a-Lago classified documents case. You got the Stormy Daniels case. Uh, it looks like he's going to be indicted for the January 6th case. That'll make three. And then you get the Georgia 2020 uh, so-called election interference case. Uh, those are the criminal cases against him. And then you got two, two civil cases, one by the uh, Attorney General of New York, Letitia James, that fraud. Uh, she's suing Trump for fraud. And uh, the case of E. Jean Carroll. That case is, is just crazy. Uh, basically, in a nutshell, uh, E. Jean Carroll accuses Trump or accused Trump of raping her in a store, changing room, okay? And then in a strange twist, the court decided that he sexually assaulted her, but that he didn't rape her, okay? Uh, it, it's, the, it's the most bizarre case. E. Jean Carroll uh, and that whole case against Trump Reminds me of uh, Blasey Ford when she brought uh, accusations against Brett Kavanaugh when he was a, uh, a, a nominee candidate for the Supreme Court, okay, as a Supreme Court justice. That, that, that case is just, it's just fucking, 
clown shoes. Uh, but anyway, the left is, is determined to take Trump out of this race. And like I said, their strategy is to tie him up in court, you know, throughout the election. Okay. You know, this is the case. Okay. Trump's been a target, like I said, since 2015. All right. They illegally spied on the man. They wiretapped the man illegally. Uh, they, they outright abused the FISA courts. Okay. Uh, and made accusations that were not verifiable. Okay. You couldn't verify them because they were all false. Okay. The Hillary Clinton campaign paid for all of this in the Steele dossier that they used to base their FISA warrants on to illegally spy on the guy. Okay. Um, and then you had Russian collusion. Uh, then you have the, you know, the whole January 6th thing, the call to Ukraine, all of that, right? Uh, they're throwing everything at Trump. Okay. Uh, the Mar-a-Lago case, they've thrown what? 34 felony counts of falsifying business records. Uh, that by the way, weren't business records. Okay. And they weren't connected in any way to business records or finances in the Stormy Daniels case. I, I go through that case. Oh, I think it was like episode 22 or 23. I get into that whole thing. Uh, no felony committed there. Okay. And by the way, I'd like to point out that this, you know, these 34 felony counts of falsifying business records, okay, that weren't business records, okay, uh, this is the same thing that Hillary Clinton did, except to say uh, that she did it to hide the fact that she paid for the Steele dossier and orchestrated the whole Russian collusion hoax with DNC money. She did the same damn thing that Trump is accused of doing. And what do I always say about the left, folks? Whatever they accuse Trump of doing, they have themselves done. Okay? Hillary Clinton did it. It was described uh, by the left as a records-keeping error. So, you know, she, never, she was never held to account for that. But Trump, they throw the book at him. Uh, and incidentally... Uh, this, this, is, this is a demonstration of a double standard injustice here, like, like I've said before. Hillary Clinton did the same thing that they're accusing Trump of doing. So, anyway, they've thrown, you know, the documents case at him, okay, whereby he's covered by the Presidential Records Act. And incidentally, the archives, uh, pencil-pushing librarians, they don't get to tell the president what records or papers the presidents can keep. Okay, as is the precedent set in the Clinton's uh, the Clinton sock case. Okay, you'll remember that case where Bill Clinton, uh, upon leaving the White House, uh, took a, a whole bunch of things from the White House and recordings and things like that, hit him in his socks. Okay, and uh, we found out that 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 he had had all this stuff in his sock drawer at home. Okay, they've thrown Russian collusion at him and every variable of accusations around Russia. Okay, and spent millions of our dollars on a lie. Okay, you'll remember Adam Schiff, the biggest liar in the frickin' country, rivaled only by the Clintons. The left leveled every accusation, every character assassination, every roadblock to secure this country and create new heights of wealth and prosperity for the country. And at the same time, 
uh, reduce the debt and rein in the irresponsible, out of control spending of this government. Okay, the FBI has raided his homes time after time, uh, accused him of espionage for for crying out loud. Okay, uh, the FBI, DOJ, and even even the courts in these Democrat-controlled circuits have been weaponized against Trump. They don't even hide it now, really. I mean. It, it, you can get Garland and Ray up there on the Hill to testify on things, but they lie. They obfuscate. They dodge. They don't answer questions. Okay? And it's clear that they're responsible for the attacks on Trump uh, and applying a different standard of equality under the law, okay, by charging him with everything under the sun, hoping that a charge will stick so that they can throw him in prison for the rest of his life. Because, you know, how dare he oppose the left and their machinations, their tyrannical machinations and objectives for one party rule in this country. How dare he not cave to the left when they accuse him of being a Russian agent? You know, I mean, I I find it I find it, you know, really morbidly fascinating that the, the left, the FBI, the DOJ is simultaneously. Uh, using everything that they can, every agency that they can, the power of the federal government to throw everything they can at Trump and to try to put Trump into jail. And yet they're using, you know, the same FBI, DOJ and the courts to try to keep Hunter Biden and ultimately Joe Biden out of trouble and out of jail. I mean, it's it's. You can't make this stuff up, folks. Every step of the way, they've tried to ruin Trump. And quite frankly, you, the American people, okay, uh, they were caught. And they're continuing to be caught. They're, they're, they're lying, okay, outright lying about all of this, okay. Uh, Adam Schiff, who lied from day one, who, you know, he, really, he's, he's about as psychotic as they come. Jerry Nadler who never fails to be outraged at every turn when Republicans find out the truth. Nancy Pelosi, uh, do I really need to get into that one? Okay, she's definitely a tyrant. She's a fascist tyrant underneath those grandma clothes, okay? And of course, Biden's been a part of that every step of the way. And yet, Hunter Biden, the crackhead hunter uh, who, who fucked around with drugs and prostitutes, uh, Joe Biden... And the Biden family members who received millions of dollars from foreign countries in bribery and pay to play schemes uh, and who failed to pay taxes and, in fact, lied about these taxes. Okay, Joe Biden, who had thousands of classified documents going all the way, you know, back to his days as a senator, where he had no justification to have those documents, committed felony after felony after felony. Okay, Uh, these these guys aren't being held to the same standard that they're trying to apply to Trump. Okay, and let's not forget, this is the same DOJ, the same FBI that labeled parents as terrorists for having the audacity to show up at school board meetings and demand of their school boards to stop the indoctrination of their kids. Once again, the things that this crooked, criminally compromised Democrat Party accused Donald Trump of, they are doing themselves or have done themselves. Remember when they tried to tell us that Trump was an agent of Russia? Remember when they said that he was sympathetic to Russia because he was making all these millions from Russia and doing business in Russia 
Yeah. Joe Biden, through Hunter Biden, received upwards of $30 million from their criminal enterprise from Russia, China, Ukraine. Criminal Joe and Hunter the Henchman, okay, and their criminal syndicate shaking down the world for millions that went to hookers, blow, beach houses, political access. Remember when Joe Biden used to say that he was the poorest member of government? You know, he's working Joe Biden. Okay, well, (laughs) we find out he's been shaking down foreign governments for millions using Hunter Biden as the arranger and the bag man. And of course, every time we find something new about Joe's pay-to-play schemes, okay, and what Hunter Biden was doing for him, uh, and, and every time we prove that he's lying to the American public about it, the left finds something else to charge Donald Trump with. But it's become clear with the evidence that we've uncovered from the laptop and through investigations and informants and interviews and the IRS whistleblowers that Hunter Biden was in fact a grifter who shook foreign governments down for millions and millions of dollars for access to Joe Biden as vice president and as president for political favor and policy favor to include entities inside communist China, Russia, and Ukraine. You'll remember that Joe Biden actually bragged about leveraging your tax revenue, folks, against a prosecutor in Ukraine who was in fact investigating Burisma, okay, that Hunter Biden was on the board of. Uh, You'll remember that he extorted the Ukrainian government to shut down an investigation that was probing into the activities of Burisma and Hunter Biden. Okay, which which is, of course, a crime. Okay, and here he is admitting to it. Um, I remember going over convincing our team, our others, to convincing us that we should be providing for loan guarantees. And I went over, I guess, the 12th, 13th time to Kiev, and uh, and I was going supposed to announce that there was another billion dollar loan guarantee. And I had gotten a commitment from Poroshenko and from uh, Yatsenyuk that they would take action against the state prosecutor, and they didn't. So they said they had. They were walking out to press conference. Said, "No, I said I'm not going to. We're not going to give you the billion dollars." They said, "You have no authority. You're not the president." The president said, "I said call him." (laughs) I said, "I'm telling you, you're not getting the billion dollars." I said, you're not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Well, son of a bitch. (laughs) Got fired. And they put in place someone who was solid. Folks, that's a crime. That's illegal as hell. He's leveraging taxpayer money in order to save his son from investigation. Which ultimately like I said, through everything else, would would eventually lead to Joe Biden, all right? Look, pay-to-play isn't new, folks, okay? And in fact, you'll remember this kind of thing was happening with the Clinton Foundation, all right? That's another crook that needs to be held to account. But, um, But moving right along here, Hunter had taken this job on the board at Burisma, having zero experience with anything except smoke and crack, okay, to keep the money flowing to the Bidens, okay? And having the investigation squashed was a part of that. All right. That's what Joe Biden was doing. Joe Biden, through Hunter Biden, was using his access to the White House and his ability to affect policy in the country to shake countries down for money to enrich himself and his family. 
and Hunter Biden was the bag man for all of that. The taxes, okay? They didn't pay taxes on, what was it, like 20 million bucks or more, okay? They didn't pay taxes on, on a shit ton of money from countries that were paying to play. And ultimately, Merrick Garland, all right, the head of the DOJ, is, of course, protecting Hunter Biden, all right, or trying to, because ultimately that protects Joe Biden. And there's the bingo, folks. Hunter Biden didn't pay taxes on money that he got, okay? He failed to register as a foreign agent, took in all this money because Joe Biden was a part of this scheme, all right? And if Hunter Biden was acting on behalf of his father to extort money that they didn't pay taxes on, well, there's all sorts of illegalities and criminality uh, that buries Joe Biden and the left, all right? We're talking about treason, bribery, high crimes, you name it. So they have to hide it and they have to squash it, okay? What they didn't count on was the IRS whistleblowers. They were compiling all of this evidence and conducting their investigation. And wouldn't you know it, the fix was in. The FBI, the DOJ, and the White House colluded to shut all of that down at every turn, which is why the whistleblowers became whistleblowers in the first place, all right? The Justice Department was interfering in the investigations into Hunter and Joe Biden. All of this started to unravel, really, in 2019. That's the only reason why we know this. Well, there's a couple of reasons, okay? But in 2019, the FBI got a hold of a laptop that Hunter Biden had left at a computer shop. And all the contents of that laptop had exposed criminal activity involving drugs, prostitution, political illegalities, you name it. And the FBI sat on that laptop... And, and then claimed that it was Russian disinformation because, you know, that kind of thing isn't going to be quiet, all right? It's going to get out, all right? The federal government actually sought to censor any discussion of that on social media, all right? Just like a fascist state would do, all right? They lied and coerced social media to censor it. And, and quite frankly, you didn't have to yank that hard, you know, on Zuckerberg's arm, all right, to do it, okay? Or Twitter, all right. You, you didn't have to yank on them too hard to do that. They're in the tank for the left anyway. All right. Now, the federal government, the FBI, DOJ, also claimed that there were investigations taking place so they couldn't comment on any of this stuff. All right. There were no investigations taking place. All right. They, they were slow walking all of this and they were cutting it off at every turn that they could. All right. And the Fed continued this charade in an effort to influence the election of 2020. And, of course, due to the FBI tipping the scales on this issue, uh, you know, Biden was installed as president. Because if, if the American people had known what was going on here, uh, it's, uh, the polls showed that they would have voted the other way. So there's election interference by our own FBI. All right. Now, all of this continued to unravel when the Republicans took the House. OK, and all the investigations that ensued. All right. The Republican led House is the only reason that we know anything about this criminal enterprise of the Bidens. All right. The laptop and then and then the Republicans controlling the House and, and, and launching these investigations. All right. Now, eventually, Merrick Garland uh, assigned special counsel Weiss to the case. And Garland, despite telling Congress that Weiss Weiss had autonomy and full investigatory authority to investigate all of this, Merrick Garland controlled every aspect of the investigation, continuing to cover for the Bidens. Okay. But the truth would come out and prove Garland a liar. 
Okay. And the IRS whistleblowers would blow all of that out of the water. It would blow all the left's efforts to hide their criminal enterprise of the, of, of the president and Hunter Biden. It would blow all that out of the water. The leftists in the, in the Justice Department were forced to confront the Hunter Biden issue, okay? And in an effort to put all this to rest and to shield the president, who had been identified as the big guy, all right, in this criminal enterprise, uh, eventually the attorneys for Hunter Biden sought a plea deal to a tax charge, okay, and a handgun charge, okay? And this plea deal was to end all of the Hunter Biden stuff, and according to, to, to this deal, uh, he'd be absolved from all future criminal charges uh, as the deal between the prosecution and the defense team indicated in that plea deal. OK, uh, the plea deal with this stipulation was buried in the document, by the way. OK, so they tried to bury what was essentially a pardon, <laughs> really uh, a full get out of jail free card. Uh, for Hunter Biden, for any future crime that could bring charges as a result of any investigation, pending or otherwise. Uh, and they only presented this to the judge on the day that Hunter Biden was to get this plea deal uh, signed off on in the hopes that she would miss it. All right. This judge. You know, I want to know what the prosecution got for working that deal with the Biden team. I- I'd really like to know. There is corruption like you wouldn't believe in this administration, folks. But anyway, they, pre- they presented this plea deal and the judge saw what they were doing. Okay. And she's like, not so fast. All right. What are you trying to do here? So the Biden team had to plead. Uh, ultimately, they had to plead not guilty to the charges that he was going to cop to. All right. According to this deal. Well, he's guilty. He's guilty of the gun thing and the tax thing. All right. And in fact, the tax thing is a bigger thing, considering what the Congress is finding out about, you know, offshore accounts that Joe Biden has. All right. There's more bank records, uh, foreign emails regarding his role with Burisma, which, of course, leads directly to the president. All right. This plea deal dog didn't hunt, folks. And thankfully, the judge in this plea deal case thought that as well. Okay, especially with the testimony of the IRS whistleblowers out there and the allegations against Hunter Biden that lead to Joe Biden. There have been question marks over the Biden presidency from the very, very beginning. His fitness for office was never questioned by the mainstream media. And that's despite the falls, despite the campaigning from his basement and the regular gaffes. And nor did the legacy media probe too deeply into how Joe Biden managed to become very, very wealthy despite being a salaried politician for almost all of his adult life. Authorities also covered up the obvious crimes of his crack-smoking son, Hunter, with national security officers actually declaring the evidence on his abandoned laptop as being Russian disinformation. And that was regurgitated ad nauseum through the media and partisan political channels. It was blatantly dishonest, it was deceptive conduct, and it was all designed to protect a man so he could reassume high office and the swamp creatures could all keep the crooked money flowing into their pockets. It was and is dishonest. And it's actually an indictment on what the USA has become. Now they're all at it again. In recent days, it's been exposed the FBI has a credible confidential informant who's been paid in excess of $200,000 by the FBI. And that's testament to his bona fides. 
And that informant has detailed the payment of a $5 million bribe to Joe Biden when he was vice president. The money allegedly came from Ukraine's Burisma Holdings. Have a look at this. So what, what I can say is this, is this has been going on for many years, and uh, there was um, a $5 million payment made to Joe Biden, not Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, the big guy. And uh, this is, um, you know, we, we've been said that we're going after his son, that he has nothing to do with this office, but it's clearly laid out that they used Hunter Biden because he was uh, stupid um, and that he could go through his dad for protection and um, that it would all just go away anyway. Okay, I hasten to remind you, the Burisma Holdings was a company that Biden's son, Hunter, was on the board of for a monthly stipend of just a lousy $80,000 or so. The money was allegedly for Biden to get Ukraine investigators to sack the investigator who was actually responsible for investigating corruption in Burisma and right throughout the Ukraine. And Joe Biden, well, he said as much in this interview. He said, I'm telling you, you're not getting a billion dollars. I said, you're not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a bitch, <laughs> got fired. And they put in place someone who was solid. All right, the $5 million payment is actually detailed in documents that Republicans in America forced the FBI to disclose. Now, I've no doubt the, these are documents that the FBI wanted to keep well hidden because they originally refused all the initial requests. And I mention this because it's just another example of how corrupt that particular agency has become in the very dishonest political realm that is now the United States. The US really is now in banana republic territory. And adding weight to that claim is the entirely coincidental indictment of Donald Trump on the very same day that evidence of Biden's alleged corruption comes to light. Now, you can't really make this stuff up, and yet Democrats in the deep state, they fully expect to get away with it. That's how confident and brazen the dishonesty has become. Folks, the whole world knows this. OK, the rest of the world can see this for what it is. And yet, still to this day, the FBI, the DOJ, elements on the left, the Democrat Party, they continue to obfuscate. Did Joe Biden take pay, uh, payments from Burisma or any other foreign companies as vice president, president or private citizen Biden? Uh, as you may know, there is an ongoing investigation being led by the U.S. attorney in Delaware, Mr. Weiss, appointed uh, by President Trump in the last administration that our Baltimore field office is working with. And I would refer you to, to him as to what, if anything, can be shared. So the president is under, um, he is under um, investigation. I'm not going to confirm or speak to who is or isn't under investigation for what. I'm simply going so to tell So he's not you, under investigation? I didn't say that either. Uh, by longstanding department policy and practice, I'm okay. not going to be confirming or denying I'll who is or isn't under investigation thank, or for what. Thank you. I, I'll close with this. Russia collusion started it, Mr. Chairman, and the targeting and the suppression and the censorship has continued until this point. We need to thoroughly review what the FBI is doing, and at a minimum, I will be allowing FISA to sunset if we're not going to see significant reforms in the agency. Now, Christopher Wray, the FBI, the DOJ, Merrick Garland, all these people can say we can't comment because there's an ongoing investigation. All right. They, they can try and hide all they want. 
under the, uh, under the guise of there's an ongoing investigation. Well, we knew that, you know, we know that that's not the case, okay? They're, they're trying to cut off every part of the investigations into this at every turn. So they can hide all they want, but it's going to come out, folks, and it is coming out. It's really ironic this hearing is covering the left censorship of opposing viewpoints, and you've all seen it on display all day long. They've been doing exactly that. They've been trying to bully and defame our witnesses and, and, and try to cover up their opinions. They, they actually began the hearing with a motion to prevent them from testifying. You can't make this stuff up. It's on broad display for everybody. They did the same thing yesterday in the hearing with the IRS whistleblowers. You know why? Because the Democrats are panicked right now. They're panicked because it's impossible to cover up the inescapable conclusions of the last few weeks. Let me give you two of them. First, one, the hard evidence, Mr. Goldman and everybody else, now proves that the Biden family is hopelessly corrupt and has apparently engaged in a long pattern of extortion, bribery, influence peddling, and tax fraud, and staggering abuses of power. And number two, we're highlighting here today that we now know that a growing list of the most important executive branch agencies of the Biden administration are in on it. They've also been corrupted. They've been weaponized to help cover all this up. First family's crimes. When we summarize all this stuff, it sounds like a premise of a dystopian novel or something, but it's actually happening right now on our watch. This is not conspiracy theories, this is evidence. Our hearing today is to put a spotlight on one more of these incredible avenues of unprecedented corruption and government cover-up and here again, a federal court has just affirmed all that hard evidence. It proves that the White House, the Department of Justice, and the FBI, among other agencies, threatened and coerced the social media platforms to censor and suppress disfavored viewpoints and conservatives' social media posts online. Well, we begin with new bombshell allegations surrounding President Biden and his possible involvement in a Ukrainian bribery scheme. That's right, President Joe Biden this time, not Hunter. Senator Chuck Grassley just released an unclassified FBI document. The memo's claims are still unverified, but the details come from an FBI informant who is very trusted, and it's his conversation with a top Ukrainian energy executive. The informant outlines how then-Vice President Biden and Hunter Biden allegedly coerced the executive into paying them. In exchange, they were going to get help getting a rival prosecutor fired. According to the memo, the CEO of the energy firm Burisma hired Hunter Biden to protect us through his dad from all kinds of problems. But it appears the price for the Biden services, well, it was pretty steep. Quote, it cost $5 million to pay one Biden and $5 million to another Biden. Who was the other Biden? And according to the memo, the Burisma CEO wasn't initially trying to pay up. It goes on to say Zolachevsky stated that he didn't want to pay the Bidens and he was, quote, pushed to pay them. And the confidential source even inquired into the Bidens' future dealings with Burisma. Remember, Hunter Biden sat on the board of directors. The memo reads, quote, the informant inquired whether Hunter Biden or Joe Biden told Zolachevsky he should retain Hunter Biden. Listen to this. Zolachevsky replied, they both did. Interesting. David, we have been hit with a chorus ad nauseum 
Joe Biden never talked to Hunter about his yeah. business dealings. Oh, wait, let's take a look at this from the FD 1023. These are quotes about Joe Biden, not Hunter, the chief financial officer of Burisma. They hired Hunter Biden to protect us through his dad. Head of Burisma said something to the effect of, don't worry, Hunter will take care of all of us through his dad. And then finally, on who wanted Burisma to hire Hunter, they both did. So this is on you, Joe, in this FD 1023. Well, a point of common sense here. If you're hiring Hunter Biden, is it to get to James Biden? Because James Biden has no power to affect policy, has no power to stand there and brag at the Council on Foreign Relations. Well, I'm six hours, you better fire him. It's always been about Joe Biden. And the thing is, the FBI and DOJ that didn't want to investigate the path that would lead to the most likely suspect, the person who had the ability to affect policy, to make decisions, had to be Joe Biden. The other, there's no other big guy, there's no, no other person in the Biden family who has access to the levers of government. And the FBI objecting, by the way, to the GOP releasing uh, the various points of information. This is the same group that lied about the source documents, lied on FISA warrants, different persons within the FBI and DOJ, and also covered up information that was already verified. So there, there is nothing here that leads anywhere but to Joe Biden. You have to follow the investigative path, let the process play out, because it's not gonna lead to James or Hallie or, you know, Bo's widow, because none of them have the levers of government. 17 alleged recordings of conversations with the Bidens. Two allegedly have Joe B Biden's voice on them. Where are the recordings? Many text messages, we're told. Uh, two documents understood to be financial records. There's a wit witness, we have this list, we'll pop it up. A Burisma head, Zayachevsky, I want to know where that person is. And a supporting witness who was on all the phone calls named Ostapinko. Want to know where the supporting witness is. And let's pop that up for our viewers if we have it. Dagan. Congress will be on top of this, and, and there's much discussion about, and even some people calling, I think Miranda Devine wrote a piece about it, calling for a special counsel. Yes, she did. That is not what you want to happen for a number of reasons. A special counsel would be appointed by and report to Attorney General Merrick Garland, the overlord of the department formerly known as Justice. So. Garland would simply appoint somebody who's a good old Democrat who would bury the whole matter at this point. Uh, I talked to Andy McCarthy about this. Biden and company would use the special counsel as an excuse to stonewall Congress, tell the media we can't make any statements because it's an ongoing investigation. Right. Yep. The ongoing investigation would become a black hole and all of this including all of that evidence that you just mentioned, it would disappear. There would be no discussion of it. And it would, everything would be up, compromise the investigation, compromise the investigation. That's why, right, that's why, this is what happened during the, what, five-year Hunter Biden investigation. So that's at correct. this point, if there is a special counsel, a new one, that's appointed to oversee this, it will be horrible and it will be specifically to make all of this disappear. President Joe Biden's son is set to appear in court tomorrow where Delaware Judge Mary Ellen Narica will decide on whether or not to sign off on Hunter's plea deal. 
And Hunter Biden may have just jinxed the deal. You're not going to believe what he just did. Republican Congressman Jason Smith just filed a brief with the judge, entering into evidence the IRS whistleblower testimony. Basically a legal move to get the judge to think, you know what, are you really going to let this guy off so easy? And Hunter Biden's attorney called the courthouse clerk today and pretended to be a Republican attorney and told the clerk, oops, you know what, we didn't really mean to file all that whistleblower stuff. Can you guys just strike that from the record? Seriously, Hunter Biden's lawyer made a phony phone call to the court and tried to remove the whistleblower testimony. He called and impersonated the opposing lawyer. Hey, this is a <clears throat> Republican attorney, Chris Clark. Oh, never mind that amicus brief. Just forget about it. That was an accident. Good day, young lady. This sounds like the kind of caper you cook up when you're on cocaine. Hey, guys, you know what we should do? We should just call the courthouse and pretend we're the other lawyer. Democrats just called this whole investigation a clown show, and Hunter Biden's lawyers are making prank calls to the judge on the eve of the plea deal. You can get disbarred for that. This is so brazen, either Hunter thinks he can get away with anything or his legal team is panicked that this judge is actually going to toss the plea and Hunter may have to serve time. And the judge, a Democrat, was furious that Hunter's lawyer tried to pull one over on her clerk. And the judge is now ordering Hunter's attorneys to explain themselves by 9 o'clock tonight or be sanctioned. And now we're learning that the Biden family had an inside man. A Biden family insider worked in the U.S. Attorney's Office in Delaware. Alexander Mackler worked for Senator Biden, Vice President Biden, Beau Biden, and Biden Harris, and coincidentally worked for the same Delaware prosecutor who gave Hunter Biden the sweetest of sweetheart deals in the history of sweetheart deals. So if the Biden family is so clean, like the Democrats keep insisting, why the massive cover-up? Why is the FBI and the CIA lying? Why is the Department of Justice obstructing? Why are Hunter and his business partners texting, just leave Biden's name out of it? Why does the White House story keep changing and why does Joe Biden keep lying? And why are all of Hunter's business partners either in prison, awaiting sentencing, or disappeared? And why can't anybody tell me what the Biden family business is? Oh, and why did 10 Bidens get 17 mil from dirty foreign nationals? Bank records show at least 10 of them were involved. So how can the Democrats claim that Joe Biden isn't involved in the Biden family business when he took over 200 meetings with Hunter's business partners? What, they both like to eat lunch at the same place? Hunter Biden put his dad on speaker in front of his business partners over two dozen times. What do you think, they were just talking about the Redskins game? And now Biden's business partners are flipping. Next week, we know Hunter's right-hand man, Devin Archer, is set to testify to Congress. So if Devin flips, it is over. But Devin might not be the only one to flip. Reports say Eric Sherwood, who operated Hunter's business bank accounts. He was kind of like the family banker, moving money between Joe and Hunter's accounts, making mortgage payments. He may be close to cooperating, too. And we've already heard from Tony Bobolinsky. That would make three Biden family business partners flipping. Nobody's been as close to the scandal than these three. We have Joe Biden on the phone, Joe Biden at meetings, at dinners, Joe Biden in photographs, Hunter's business partners coming to the White House, coming on Air Force Two. 
All Hunter's business partners just happened to call Joe the big guy. And the big guy's code for Joe Biden so they don't have to mention his name over email. Don't mention his name. Hunter says, don't bring my father's name up in writing. And Hunter writes up a dozen emails saying the only reason the Chinese went into business with him was because of his dad. And his dad's portfolio is the exact same portfolio as Hunter's business partners. Early this morning, a federal judge refused to act as a rubber stamp for Biden's weaponized Department of Justice and put the brakes on Hunter's sweetheart plea deal, at least for now. Now, the U.S. District Judge, Mary Ellen Nareka is her name, questioned the legality of the plea agreement and wanted to know if, if Hunter was under an active investigation for other crimes like FARA violations and other financial issues, which really he was in trouble until they let the statute of limitations run out. As it turns out, according to prosecutors, Hunter remains the subject of at least one ongoing criminal probe and could be charged with future crimes. Now, apparently Hunter's attorneys were under the impression that this deal would grant their client full immunity from any future charges. They believed that their sweetheart deal, slap on the wrist deal, consisting of two minor misdemeanor tax violations and the deferred gun charge would wipe his slate clean. By the way, when the judge asked the prosecution and the defense, do you have any precedence for this type of deal on the, on the gun issue? Uh, they couldn't cite a single case. Why does something here reek of a major lie? Uh, there's nobody that's going to convince me they didn't have a full agreement. They were not going to give any more future charges to Hunter Biden. And I think it was this judge that saw right through it and called them out on it. The judge refused to accept the agreement. Hunter pleaded not guilty to the tax and gun charges. And if found guilty, now Hunter could face real time behind bars like the rest of America, unless, of course, another sweetheart deal is reached. And uh, oh, yeah, according to federal prosecutors, Hunter could also be charged in the future with a variety of other crimes, including not registering as a foreign agent, as Farrah requires. Uh, so are we to believe that Hunter's attorneys, they didn't know about all this until today? Or did they have an understanding with a weaponized and politicized Merrick Garland Department of Justice that if you take this sweetheart deal, no more charges will be forthcoming. So the big question tonight is what will happen to Hunter, but more importantly, what will happen to Joe Biden as a result of everything we're learning and everything we know? Today was a victory for justice in America. Uh, if anyone was watching the whistleblower hearing that we had in the oversight with the two credible whistleblowers, I mean, they laid out uh, perfectly the, a series of crimes that the president's son had committed. It's not just about tax evasion, and the tax evasion that they're getting on was just for, for two years for a, a W-2. It didn't even include all the shell company income that they've had that, that no one knows what what the reasoning is behind the millions of dollars they've received from foreign nationals. It didn't include the Foreign Agents Registration Act, which is one of the things that we said back in January, Jim Jordan and I said, was a clear law that the president's son had committed. You also have the money laundering. Remember, six banks 
filed reports with the with the Treasury Department that they suspected this family was involved in laundering money from state-owned entities. State-owned entities are foreign countries. So the list goes on and on and on. It's obvious to anyone who has any knowledge of the law that the president's sons committed a host of crimes and all roads lead to Joe Biden. That's the other thing. And that was, I think, one of the most interesting things from the testimony that uh, Jason Smith got in the transcribed interview and we heard in the hearing was they wanted to interview Biden family members and they felt pretty strongly that uh, this was directly linked to Joe Biden. The same Joe Biden that, that swore that he never once talked to his son about his foreign business dealings? Truth, I think the American people are going to be in for a big eye opener with respect to Joe Biden. If this is truly a win for equal application of the law, which is a hallmark of this great country, the greatest country ever. That's what we're supposed to focus on. And that was the motivation of Gary Shapley and Mr. Ziegler. They came forward because they saw unequal application of the law. That's why we want to talk to these folks, get all the facts, and then move forward from there. And that's your two-tiered justice system at work, folks. All of this has exposed the weaponization and politicization of your FBI, your DOJ, your White House, your DOJ and your FBI working in conjunction with the White House and the Biden administration and the Democrat Party and their leftist supporters in the metropolitan areas, in the contested states, sought to conspire and enact their plan to ruin Donald Trump and continue the flow of money, dirty money, that could be used by the Democrat left. Through all of this, after playing all of this for you, we know this. The Biden criminal enterprise reeks of treason, extortion, bribery, high crimes and misdemeanors of the president, criminal activity and conduct of Hunter Biden, who was, in fact, the president's son, who was, in fact, a foreign agent, unregistered, who continued to shake down foreign governments, as was detailed in text to Chinese entities and Ukrainian officials, who stated that they had to pay both Bidens $5 million each for access and protection. DOJ head Merrick Garland lied under oath when he stated that special counsel Weiss had complete investigatory authorities while Garland and the Fed, the FBI, crushed the investigations at every turn in their effort to protect the president. Merrick Garland thwarted the efforts to investigate Hunter Biden and ultimately Joe Biden. And I believe he's also committed a felony or two here in doing so. One of them being that he most likely lied to Congress under oath. And throughout this whole thing, your government, the federal government, suppressed the truth and censored it. And then censored all of you who questioned all of this, all in order to conduct what could be called a bloodless coup d'etat. And the effort to install the most crooked politician that we've ever seen into the White House. Because if they allow Donald Trump to win the election, if they allow him to win this election, then the leftist Democrat Party would be finished. And that's where the bingo is, folks. That's the bingo. He was too dangerous to be kept alive. And that's all I got to say about that. 
Well, folks, it did go kind of long, uh, but, I, but I think it was necessary. I know you've been paying attention to the goings-on in this country, and not just with the current political civil war that's taking place in the government right now, but it was necessary to lay it all out. This is how I'm seeing it, folks, and it's what the evidence is pointing to. And all of this might well lead many of you to think that the Constitutional Republic is, at the very least, teetering on the edge of oblivion. You'd be correct to think to yourself that what we're seeing here are the telltale signs and practices of what we would refer to as a banana republic. And I'd say I can't disagree with you there, not completely. But as I said during the process uh, of voting in the Speaker of the House, uh, if you remember that, uh, when the 20 rebels fought to make some crucial and very much needed changes, we needed to see that and we need to see this. Okay, we needed to see this, understand it. Uh, we need to understand it and recognize that your government is increasingly showing signs of outpacing the consent of the governed. And that to counter this, we are the rebellion folks. And the Republican Party today, for all their faults, represents the rebellion to this increasingly corrupt government and, and the current administration and the leftist Democrat Party in this country. All of you know what's happening in virtually every aspect of American life, from the blatant corruption within the government to the mind-bending indoctrination of your children. And that's why the election of 2024 is paramount, folks. We gotta remember that it isn't just the national election that we have to vote in, okay? If politics is life, then local politics is crucial. And depending on our level of participation, it means the difference between losing our American foundations or strengthening and restoring them. The left's gonna lie, cheat, and steal in order to maintain their political power, folks. But you can change that, okay? And that's why, despite all the challenges we face, all of the corruption and cultural degradation, the economic despair here at home, and the aggressive efforts of adversaries to subjugate us in the world, I say, that America is still the greatest nation the world has ever known. Because those of you who believe in the principles of our constitutional republic, you are the greatest people the world has ever known. We got a lot of work to do, folks, and we gotta prepare to change the course of this country. And it begins with us. In the coming months, I'm gonna be delving further into our local politics as it relates to our school boards and, and other officials in the county and how we can change the direction of this country, starting right here in my town and in my county. Now, this is gonna be kind of a new thing for me, folks, because as you know, I'm a national politics kind of guy, okay? But, but there's one thing that I do know. Everything begins right here at home, on the local level, right here, down on the ground, in the good old USA. Well, that's all I got for now, folks, uh, but don't worry. Dry your eyes. I'll be back for yet another eye-opening, awe-inspiring episode of the Last Stand podcast. Remember, freedom never goes out of style, folks. And that's why we put it on and wear it every damn day. So until next time, resist the tyrants, reject their lies, rebel against tyranny, remove the corrupt, and restore this republic. With God's help, we can and will resolve the problems which now confront us. And after all, 
Why shouldn't we believe that? We are Americans.
Baby, in my headphones, baby, in my headphones, singing to me. 